Top of the day, everyone. This is episode eight of Hot Garbage True Crime Edition. I am your host, Nisha, and this is my wonderful, beautiful best friend and co-host. Who the badass. And today we have a good a good story for you. Can you believe we're on episode eight already? That's so cool. Girl, I know we keep it going together like a locomotion train, so I'd never be shocked about how far it's going to go. Yes, this is so great. And, you know, this is our happy place, isn't it? I, I know this makes you happy. Yes, it does. But I am a friend, so I am happy to be there for you <laughs> well are you ready to talk about the case of christopher dorner uh sure let's get it popping wonderful well so christopher jordan dorner was born on june 4th of 1979 at, in new york state uh just so everybody knows because because this is a, a cocktail i'm going to be calling everybody by their last names because that's what they're really known as and so i think that'll make it easier for the story so it'll be less confusing You'll still be confusing either way, but we'll see. I, I'll be the determination on whether that is confusing. Well, well I just read because most Cause of the time. you like saying the first names and be like, and now the baby mama, who is not the cousin. Like, <laughs> which, who are we talking about now? Sometimes you can be using first names off of, out of nowhere, just when you wasn't using first names before. Yeah. Talking okay. about Jeff, and then you start calling him Jeffy like y'all used to be going out together or something. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, I do tend to give people nicknames, huh? Especially when you got a crush on them. Oh my, whatever. <laughs> So, like I was saying, so from this point, I'm going to call him Dorner. So, so he, so after he was born in New York State, but he moved to Los Angeles, California with his mom, Nancy Dorner, and his sister, Natasha Dorner, before he was like a year old. Um, now, there's not much about his father, so it's unclear on when he left, but we just know he left the family at some point. Which commonly happens. Yeah, it does. Now, according to Dorner's later manifesto that he wrote, he was the only black kid in his class from first to seventh grade. So the neighborhoods that they lived in had less than 1% black. At Norwood Christian School, he was called racial slurs by a fellow student on the playground. So he kicked him and he punched them. When the kid cried to the principal, both of them received swats from the principal. So now the principal chastised Chris for not turning the other cheek since it was a Christian school because that's what the Bible says that you're supposed to do. This, feel, this at this point made Chris feel like there was no protection from the racism that was in the world. So basically at that point, he made a vow to himself that he would never tolerate any kind of derogatory terms or any kind of racism ever again. So after that, his family moved a few more times and they ended up in Cypress, California. So that, that was a small city south of LA and there he attended Cypress High. So he was, at that point, he was 5'11 and 225 pounds in high school. So he did join the football team and he learned about the young police explorers. And so basically what this was, it was a program that high school teens to get in to train to be police officers while they were still in school. So that was a really good program for him. Mm. So once he got into this program, he felt as if, you know, he found his calling in life and, you know, but, but despite being involved in this police training, he still felt as if he had no protection from racism. So a good example was he wrote about a time when a watch was stolen from his locker. And so the, he had reported it to the assistant vice principal at the school who told him that he knew who stole his watch because a kid had stolen a list of combinations and he was the suspect in that theft and a whole bunch of other thefts. So... When, Chris, when Dorner tried to get his watch back from that student, the campus security was called. And then at that point, the assistant vice principal denied that he ever told him who stole the combination. So basically, the assistant principal was like, we never had that conversation. And so it made him look crazy and he never got his watch back. So... 
Now, after graduating, Dorner did attend Southern Utah University in Cedar City, Utah. He continued to play football as a running back. And according to one of his teammates and his good friends, James Usera, Dorner told him that the coach was racist as well. Because Cedar City is mainly populated by white Mormon conservatives. And so Chris really felt outnumbered in his life. Mm. So Usera and Dorner became really good friends. And Usera happened to be from Alaska. So they would always talk politics. They would talk about racism. Uh, and also Usera was a very outdoorsy type person. So he was the one that taught Dorner about like hunting, fishing, stuff like that. Dorner graduated college in 2001 with a degree in political science and a minor in psychology. And then a year after graduating college, Chris was commissioned into the United States Navy Reserve. And then he was also sent to pilot training at an Air Force base in Oklahoma. So at this point, yes, so Dorner, he always had integrity. So that was one thing he held high about himself. He was a very honest, truthful person at all times. A good example is while he was in training at the Air Force Base in Oklahoma, Dorner and another Marine Corps named Andrew Bogart found a bag of cash just laying in the middle of the uh, the parking lot. They were on their way driving into another city, and it had $8,000 in cash and checks. And so what they did was they just took the money to the police department they turned it in, and they found that it belonged to a local church. So what happened was the pastor was trying to make a deposit, right? Mm-hmm. And he accidentally left it on top of his car and drove off. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. <laughs> so the pastor was so happy to have that money back. Can you imagine that? Oh, I would kill myself if I did that. Oh, man. Like, especially with people's money that was given. Oh, my God. That responsibility. They'd never let you take the cash again. They would never let you do that again. And I'm just like, I don't even... They probably still didn't, just because of the fact that he left the shit. Right. They almost didn't get it back if the wrong person would have found it. (laughs) So, basically, uh, Dorner, his whole dream, he wanted to drive SH... uh, He wanted to drive SH-60 helicopters. So, because of that, he served at various aviation training units from 2002 to 2004. Now, during his training, he became an expert at pistol and rifle marksmanship. Dorner then joined the Los Angeles Police Department in February of 2005. Now, he was supposed to graduate August 2005 from the police academy because it's a six-month training in the classroom. But during the training, he did have some injuries, and that pushed his graduation back to January of 2006 instead. And then sometime during his training, he accidentally discharged his weapon while he was trying to clean it, and he shot himself in the hand. Damn. Yeah, so because of that, he was actually placed on suspension for this incident, and his graduation was then pushed back to March of 2006. And I was like, well, damn, like, shooting yourself in the hand, isn't that, like, punishment enough? You get suspended, too? Imagine that. Well, no, because as, as an officer, you are looked at, you need to be, it's with, very, with very hard scrutiny, too, mm-hmm. because I was on the path of trying to become an officer. So that's kind of scary. This almost sounds like it's my life here. This man is trying to, but he did it way better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but playing football, going out, uh, doing uh, servicing and keeps with integrity, uh, want to be a be officer, all that kind of stuff. That's kind of why. Because um, I did early on, and I was a security guard. But the point is, is that you're looked at with scrutiny beyond scrutiny. You don't understand. You uh-huh. cannot make a mistake with that gun uh-huh. ever in your career. Mm, okay so and then, if not it, if you do it will be put on your record yeah so his suspension was definitely warranted then if that's the case yeah they're just like they they say stuff like we're glad you shot yourself yeah you know, yeah like, but it I mean that is the truth because it could have been somebody else yeah. yeah that's true 
Because even then, people don't understand how powerful bullets are. Just because it shot your hand doesn't mean it still couldn't have been uh, had enough force to kill somebody else, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because it could go through. I've heard of that, where it'll go through something and then land on somebody else. Like, yeah, and hit it somebody still, else. Yeah. It still could have been made for somebody with deadly enough force. Yeah. So they really was lucky. Now, in his manifesto, Dorner accused the LAPD of being racist as well. So, during his training, he witnessed several recruits use the N-word, and he, they, he also witnessed them taunt a Jewish trainee by singing Nazi and Hitler youth songs, and the trainee's dad happened to have been a Holocaust survivor. Damn. Yeah, so it was really bad. So, one day, while he was driving in a passenger van with other trainees, he said he heard two officers sitting in the back of the van using the N-word. So he turned around and he told them that the word was offensive and should not be used. So both the officers said that they will use it if they want to. So Dorner got so mad that he jumped over the passenger seat across the recruiters that were seated in, seated in the middle row and he grabbed the two officers by the neck. So at this point, other officers broke it up. Internal Affairs investigated and could only corroborate one of the witness statements besides Dorner's. So most of the officers said they never heard anybody say the N-word and basically that Chris was, uh, that Dorner was just tripping out, you know. So one officer said, one officer that was said to use the N-word, only one of them was given a 22-day paid suspension. And then after that, he continued his training and became employed with the LAPD. Mm. So Dorner felt like it was a slap in the face, you know, because... He, you know, he basically reported that they was using the N-word and all he got was a 22-day paid suspension. So that was another thing of racism that he was just like, I can't take this. So a detective filed a 1.28 report on him. It's a complaint of employee misconduct. So Dorner actually got a complaint filed on him as well. Mm -hmm. And so Dorner did not feel supported or protected again against the racism. So after spending four months on the street training, Dorner was called to active duty in the Navy in July 2006. So after the six months um, of the training in the classroom, all officers are supposed to actually do 18 months of the on the street training. But because he got called by the Navy, he could only do four at that time. So at that point, he was shipped out on a 12-month mobilization tour. And part of it was spent in Kuwait. And so a fellow service member named Jamie Kuama was deployed with him. So she said that, you know, he always took part in, like, football games, and he always watched out for stray cats out there. She referred to him as a really, really nice guy. Always had a smile on his face, and he really did love people a lot. Took care of stray cats. Huh? Yeah, because there was a lot of stray cats out there in Kuwait. So, Christopher was awarded the Iraq Campaign Medal uh, because most of his tour was spent guarding sea rigs near Iraq. And then shortly after he came home from his tour, he actually got married to an undercover narcotics agent in Los Angeles named April Carter. Nice. Now, this marriage only lasted a month. Damn. Yeah. And we don't she know why. She couldn't the lifestyle. That's what it was. She yeah. She back transformed. Yeah, we don't know, like, quite what happened. But we do know after the divorce, they remained really good friends. So, even after like, the she's marriage... she's like, it's stressing now. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, shit, girl. You know, you know how you go in too deep. Watch, yeah. watch, watch a Minecraft movie. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, but it, when you get in too deep and LL Cool J is looking too good, you gotta sit here and decide: Are you still a cop? Or are you down with the hood? Are you down? <laughs> right. Well, you know, the, and this is how nice of a guy they said Dorner was. Even after the marriage and stuff, he would always go over house, do the yard work, anything she needed. He was there, you know. Wow. So now Christopher Dorner, when he came back from the Navy, he settled back into the LAPD as a rookie officer, and again, that's supposed to last up to eighteen months. So he had already done four months of it. 
So he was assigned to field training officer Teresa Evans. As the she grew concerned with his conduct on duty and she began to document his performance. So Dorner knew that because he had been gone in the Navy and on his tour that he was behind everybody else in his training. So he actually asked her if he could have more training. You know, he needed more reintegration training. So he said, can he just kind of go back to the academy and brush up on a few things? And at one point he was even really emotional about it because he was serious about being a police officer. But Evan said that, you know, there was never time for him to go back and get retrained. So it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, you got the training you're supposed to get. You're supposed to get it even though he was gone. So he never got sent back to the academy like he asked. Now, Evans noted that there was some deficiencies and shortcoming with the way that Christopher, the way Dorner did his job. So one time he like he didn't take cover when when talking to a suspect on a call where there was a man with a gun and Dorner said that he was having issues due to his deployment. So it was a back and forth like she kept writing these reports like, you know, he's not doing this. He's falling short on a lot of things. But keep in mind, he had gotten some injuries during training He had shot himself with a gun. His graduation date keeps moving up. He comes back. He gets four months of training, and then he gets deployed. Okay. Now, I I got that. Yeah. Now, on July 28, 2007, officers Dorner and his supervisor, Evans, was dispatched to a Doubletree Hotel in San Pedro, California, for disturbing the peace call. Now, the suspect was sitting outside. He was basically non-responsive. So Dorner kind of took him by the arm and tried to lead him away from the hotel. Now the man was named Christopher Gettler, and he's actually he was actually a man that has schizophrenia and dementia. So when he when they got there, he cussed out the police officers. He pulled away. He tried to run. Evans called for backup, and Dorner tried to get control of Christopher, who was now trying to hit him. So Dorner took him down to the ground by force and they both landed into a planter. So Gatler landed on a planter that had the bushes and he kind of scraped his, he kind of like hit his face on the bushes and then Dorner was on top of him at that time. So now Evans ended up having to take Dorner's taser and she tased Christopher. So at that point, Gatler was still, you know, at that point he was still refusing arrest even after he had been tased, right? Mm -hmm. So after he had been tased and everything, He wouldn't follow the officer's instructions. He was squirming. So Evans at that point walked to the other side of the man, Gettler, and tried to put handcuffs on him. So what happens next is, you know, an account from Dorners. So what happened was Evans was unable to get Gettler's hands to cuff him. So she swung her foot as if she was kicking a ball. She kicked him twice in, she kicked him twice in the chest and once in the face. And so Gettler then at that point, after he got kicked because it hurt so bad, that's when he allowed them to handcuff him. Mm -hmm. And so they placed him under arrest. So he was placed in the police car. And then there was a small scratch that was noticeable on his face at that point. Now, Dorner and Evans contacted their supervisor to discuss (coughs) the arrest and the force that was used. The supervisor that came was named Sergeant Johnson. He arrived on the scene. He took their verbal report. And then when they arrived, when they arrived at the police station, Gettler was looked at by another sergeant and also a doctor was called in to look at the scratches that was on his faces as well. Now, in a transcript from Dorner's appellant court, because all this stuff is eventually going to go to court, spoiler alert, Evan stated that 
She and Dorner discussed what happened at the hotel together so that they can write the report up together. So according to Evans, Dorner took a long time to write the report and kept asking questions. So the report had to be revised three different times because Dorner wasn't getting it. So by mm. so Evans and the supervisor, Sergeant Jackson, had to keep amending this report. And then Evans said that they had to rewrite the report because Dorner did not know what specific information needed to be included to accurately document and what happened. So he basically, they documented like when he tackled Gettler, uh, Dorner couldn't remember the correct codes, the verbiage to use. And so basically by now it had been a year since he had graduated the police academy. So all this stuff took place. So he said a lot of this stuff was kind of fuzzy to him because again, he wanted to go back to training. So he just said in the report that Gettler's face was injured during the arrest, but nothing else was written about any other injuries. And also the part that Evans kicking Gettler, that conveniently got left out of the report too, right? So Dorner later said that he didn't say anything about the kicks because he was scared that he would be retaliated against for mentioning it. And then Dorner also didn't like the way, the way the report was written because it seemed like everything was like what he did because he did tackle him, but he didn't kick him or anything. But he also said that when Sergeant Jackson came out, Sergeant Jackson is their supervisor and he asked Dorner just what he did specifically. So he told him from his point of view. So he said he didn't say anything about Evans kicking him because that's not what he was asked. So he didn't think of that. Hmm. So... Dorner did not like the way the report was submitted, so he called his friend, Sergeant Perez, and who was also a fellow Navy uh, person. He was a, a, a fellow Navy reservist, and he also worked in internal affairs, which is like, basically for people that don't know what internal affairs is, it's like, it's like an HR department, but for the police department. Mm. So any kind of issues that happen, you go to internal affairs, and they'll open up an investigation. Now, I've seen them in movies. Yeah. Now, Perez was out of town, but was able to briefly speak with him, and he told him to stop talking, and he needs to report this to the supervisor immediately. He told Dorner that if he didn't make the report, he would be forced to report it. So on August 10th of 2007, which was two weeks after the double tree arrest, Dorner reported Officer Evans' use of excessive force when arresting Gettler. He reported it to Officer Deming, and that was an assistant watch commander. He also told him that he didn't report Evans because he thought that, A, the supervisor that came out, Supervisor Jackson, he was actually friends with Evans. He also said that he felt like he would be retaliated against because she was his, you know, she was his boss and he, that's how he felt. And he also said that he was not properly questioned about any other kind of force, but what he did. So all this comes out in the report. And so basically... So basically, Evans' story was, when the supervisor, Supervisor Jackson came out, he said that, you know, Evans' story was the same as Dorner's at that time. So nobody said anything about any kicks at that time. Right. So, so basically, um, and then he didn't want, like, the retaliation that happened back when, remember when uh, he was, um, he snitched for being called the N-word and those people was called using the N-word and stuff like that. And a report was filed against him. Mm -hmm. He said also for the rest of the police academy, nobody would talk to him. Everybody mistreated him because he was seen as the snitch for basically reporting those people for using the N-word. And he said he was just really scared, you know? Mm. So 
Evans, so remember, they had talked about it before Sergeant Jackson got there and after this whole arrest thing happened and they was writing the report, Evans straight up had admitted to Dorner that she was not going to say anything about the kicks because she was trying to get promoted. And she was like, I don't want an excessive report on my, you know, on my uh, report, or like on my background. So she said that could stop me from getting arrested, like uh, from getting promoted. <clears throat> so... Basically, and she said that during the conversation when they were rewriting together in the hotel room. Yeah, when they was when they was writing it up because they sat down and they did it first before the supervisor came, and that's what she told Dorner. Mm-hmm. Now it was like a few days after this report, Dorner said that when he came back, he 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 said he feels like somebody peed on his equipment bag and on his jacket in the break room. Like that's how he felt, like because he was really paranoid at this point. Because he knew he had just, you know, filed this report on Evans and everything like that. So, basically, he reported it and they tested the substance. The substance was not urine, but somebody did definitely pour some stuff on him. They just don't know what it was. So, okay. yeah. So, now this does go back to, I, I don't know if I told you, but I was like, keep in mind the integrity conversation. He was the kind of guy that turned in the money and, you know, he was just completely honest. He held himself at a high level. So a lot of people was like, well, he wouldn't have had a reason to lie on Evans about her kicking him. You know what I mean? So now basically there was a discrepancy between the reports because on Evans report, remember Gettler had a scratch on his face and on Evans report, it said that Gettler got the scratch on his face because he fell into the planter. So the, the planter scratched him. Now Dorner is saying that he got that scratch because of the kick. Mm. So now, two weeks after the arrest, so two weeks after all this stuff had happened, remember Evans was his supervisor, so she had been giving him, you know, these reports and basically looking at how he was doing and stuff like that. So she had told him that if she didn't see any improvement, you know, in his performance, she was going to have to issue an unsatisfactory performance evaluation, and it would include areas to improve on, like, you know, common sense, good judgment, and it would also recommend that he is removed from patrol. So he could have ended up getting put on desk duty. Mm. Now, this was two weeks after the arrest, but this was a little bit before Dorner told his friend at IA, you know, what happened with the kicks and after, before the report was filed. So the day after he received this warning is when he made the report. So now a use of forced investigation was opened up against Evans. She denied it, but on October 2007, an internal affair investigation was launched. So they pulled witnesses from the Doubletree Hotel. They were interviewed. They also interviewed the supervisor that responded, Supervisor Jackson, and they all made statements that contradicted Dorners. They all said they never saw that Evans kicked him, uh, kicked Gettler at all. They're, even the two um, hotel employees said that. In fact, some witnesses, the workers that worked at the hotel, said that the way that Evans was standing she couldn't have possibly kicked him. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's going to go to something in which I'm going to state in a minute. Uh, just letting you finish that in that because it goes back to what I, it, 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 it'll make sense in a couple of seconds. I'm, I'm about to go on a tear with that uh, one. Oh, yeah, please. Because it's a bunch of he said, she said. So I should warn everybody that this whole thing goes into a lot of like he said, she said, and it's just crazy. And just seeing in that, like understanding a lot of things that happen, especially I grew up in the 90s mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. had the racism be real where it would be 
a taunting and they were trying to antagonize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shows you that, and it will show you that, you know, even though you could beat up whoever it was that said, mm-hmm. they outsmarted you in a different way and you had to learn to hold yourself mm-hmm. and do some things to keep yourself in uh, of security mm-hmm. in saying that this is going to happen. Because let me tell you, you cannot rely on other people doing it. Uh, it's the same thing, unfortunately, that happens with jobs. Mm. I've seen a lot when working with jobs, and once you get starting to get to a higher level of pay and salary, yeah, they start kind of looking for things, yeah, to make to write you up and fire you for, or mm-hmm. to try and say that you're doing inadequate, so they can try and hire somebody cheaper, yeah. <clears throat> so you got to kind of cover your bases and have the information down on point and written down for yourself. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, in him knowing that it, you know, he got played for and he got treated a little differently when he didn't tell, when he got said the N-word stuff before, mm-hmm. bro, you need to have a, what I've learned is you have to have a paper trail. Yeah. You need to start having receipts. CYA. Yeah. You know, don't mm-hmm. just get in your feelings and just rely on somebody like, I know that they're going to say this for me. Yeah. I know that this is going to happen and he's going to, he, there's no way that he would, don't ever put your faith in anybody on this planet like that. Yeah. You know, you don't even be you'd be surprised if you lose your mind when one day it's even your own mom just just be like, oh, I think he really did. That's all she had to say. Yeah. That somebody worded it a certain way and make you look like you're guilty. Yeah. Put out a paper trail mm-hmm. of what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. Put a journal. Put yeah. a, a, put in the right in the laws. Put in the, I, I was, I'm that type of person. I'm not even gonna lie, and that's why people hated me. And you saw me because you used to work yeah. with me. Yeah. <laughs> I will go to HR. Yeah. I will go to HR regularly, yeah. and I will write reports regularly. Yeah. I don't care if y'all don't like me. Yeah. I don't care how you feel after this. Yeah. And if you have some type of way that you treat me towards, that's another law that you're breaking right there. Yeah. And I will keep that on record, too. The times when you st- I felt like you were treating me yeah. with, um, what is it called? Uh retaliation retaliation thank yeah. you yeah. The retaliation towards me reporting something going on with you I would report you that doing that yeah. you had to damn near be shooting me in the face or some shit for that to be stopping <laughs> you're right yeah and up to that moment before you shoot me in the face trust me it's gonna be a log of what the fuck happened and you'd be the first fucking suspect yeah everybody go back to them logs yeah because that's the reason why yeah is the reason in being is you can't have it being by yourself and most of the time, it seems like the people that you're going to are not even giving a shit about you, even no, either. Right. But what I'm doing is I'm putting it on a public notification. Yeah. Where it is set in there, and this is your job just to keep the shit. Whether you believe me or not. Yeah. Whether you give a fuck about me or not. Yeah. This is on file, mm-hmm. and so if you didn't do anything, if you guys and you can see that I've reported this so many times, you guys would then read the recourse as well. Yeah. Exactly. Like make keep it your bigger own than document you. and go to HR. Yeah. Yeah. That's make it bigger yeah. than you. Start keeping a log and a receipt of that. And I'm like, he did too much assuming yeah. on this person's going to treat me that or or I'm trying to stay loyal and down with the team. Yeah. Maybe she don't want me to say that. Fuck all that, bro. That's what I definitely think, Don't assume think nothing, bro. Yeah, because he didn't cover himself at all, especially when she said, I'm trying to get a promotion. It's like, fuck your promotion. Like, and so it sounds like that's what it was. He was like, he probably didn't want to say was, anything. Yeah, she yeah. coerced him. Yeah. yeah. She did. But yeah. at the same time, bro, you got to cover yourself. Yeah. If you... Because it's the it's what it, and it, the bad thing is, is this is what happens with our laws is if once you say that you didn't do something or did do something yeah. or seem like your what is this, your integrity is at at question, yeah. the law gets kind of shady at that point. Oh yeah. It really does. They really like, I don't need to give you no mercy. We don't throw the shit at you. I don't know if I trust you. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 
Yeah. But where's the evidence that that is? Yeah. And also because there's so many people that try to play the system. Yeah. So if you said there was no kicks and you said you don't know where the fuck the scar came from on his face, well, the coldest part is you say you tackled him. You said you tackled him. You said you scraped his face up or yeah. at least something happened when you saw him get his face bumped into. Yeah. And you admitted too much of that. And then when they started questioning about, oh, yeah, well, his face is scarred. He's trying to sue people. Then you all were like, oh, yeah, well, she she kicked somebody. It yeah. Was kicking. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Like all of a sudden now you remember that? Yeah. That's what, yeah. You have to say it right off the, off the bat. That's why the person, like yeah, that's that's why the yeah. person that was sitting there trying to put you on game and tell you that was sounding like he was being a jerk but he was not yeah he's like bro report that yeah put that down yeah. before anybody say anything else make sure you wrote that down because yeah. it's gonna sound like some tit for tat shit yeah when it comes and this was all this is what i'm saying because we're about to go into a cycle of just tit for tat and yeah you, nobody knows and somebody's gonna say this and somebody's a spectrum of this and that and that's what it's gonna all get watered into where it's gonna be all in a washing machine of shit we're about to hear yeah this is exactly what is gonna happen and and it's, it's crazy because it's too bad because by the time he even had went to his friend at IA, it was already too late because he already hadn't put that in the report. So, yeah. you know, that was, he should have put that in the report right away. As soon as I would have saw, like, oh, hell no, you kicked him? Like, that was too much. It wouldn't be no hell nothing. I, I would have reported. You, you don't understand, I'd already been reporting. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a report of many. Yeah, like... It's, it, and it's, so I'd just be like that basically having to kick somebody in the face yeah. I've already been reporting on your ass if I feel like something's going on racism something's going on and, and that is not being treated justly with me yeah. back when I was feeling like you and I should be back to class and when I actually yeah. I couldn't do this inadequately so that's what I'm saying because simultaneously I feel like it is a part on top of the sergeant too because yeah. he does I'm not going to lie he is sounding like he's not doing the job correctly Yeah, and just being in somebody who's I'm not gonna say I'm not in any way that I know about being in that field. Yeah, I'm saying lightly, lightly trained. Just you know, did the did the trainings, read the books and stuff like that, little manuals and shit like that. Started some of the programs. Yeah, that lightly, light, 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 like 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 one percent of the whole shit that's going on. Yeah, and just getting an understanding of it is he was not supposed to engage and be in lead. You was not you. He seemed like he wasn't ready to really interact yeah. with people. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So whenever that dude was getting crazy and all the other shit, and she said she took the taser off of him, Brody, you have your distance. Yeah. You have your distance defense. Yeah. You should have been trying to talk with the man, keeping your safety hand out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Keep that hand out to talk with him or whatever and had your hand on that damn taser this right. whole fucking time. Yeah. That's what you should have been doing. Yeah. So you already showing that yes, you are, and it's and it, what it is on her reports, because she's been reporting it on your ass, yeah. is you be showing you be fucking up. Yeah. Because, yeah, there was a long trailer report from her. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. She'd been reporting. Yeah. Like I said, it would have been reporting on you, too. Yeah. We've been to two reporting motherfuckers. We've been yeah. sitting side by side. Just, <laughs> Hell I'm yeah. reporting. I'm reporting. I'm reporting. You report. Yeah. <laughs> I report that you reporting. Yeah. Like, I'm going to write that down. And she yeah. wrote something down. Yeah. Like, fuck, fuck that. You, we, we, just, we just spent some time doing the end of the day. Both of us reporting. Yeah. Reporting everything. Because at the end of the day, you'll see she had her paper trail together. He didn't have nothing. He didn't he have look shit. Like a fucker. And you just look like a fuck up who's sitting there, somebody who's sitting there got a paper trail and you fucking stuff up. Yeah. And now you're trying to change the story and be like, no, that's not what happened. She kicked him. Yeah. Like, how, why? Why are you just saying that all of a sudden? Yeah. Why you didn't write that down? Why you didn't, when we asked you to rewrite this shit four times, right? why none of those times you, you wrote that down? Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to see, like, he, man, this whole thing gets really ridiculous. That's why it's going to be two parts. <laughs> it's going to be a washing machine, like I said. So, testimonies also stated that there were no shoe marks on Gatler's face or on the white shirt he was wearing. So Jackson, the supervisor, testified that he did have to make revisions to the first report because it was taking Dorner too long to finish it. 
So there we go again with him not doing his job. So the supervisor had to kick in, you know. So now the investigators did try to interview the victim, Gettler, but he was told by his family that due to severe mental illness, he couldn't be questioned. So after the investigation, the board determined that Evans never kicked Gettler and that Dorn and Dorner was charged with making false allegations. There it is. Yep. So in December, a board of rights hearing was launched. Dorner was represented by Randall Kwan, who was a former LAPD captain, but he turned into a lawyer. Quan insisted in his defense that Dorner had done the right thing, but he did acknowledge that the kick should have been reported earlier. During the hearing, Dorner stuck with his story, and, you know, he never veered away from his story about the kicks and everything like that. Now, Gettler's dad, the victim's dad, was called as a witness in the hearing, and he testified that when his son was brought home by the police, Gettler said that he had been kicked twice in the chest and once in the face by the police. He didn't report it to the, but the dad didn't report it to, to the police because his son was mentally ill. And so Gettler couldn't tell him why he got kicked and he will respond to everything with a yes. So Randall Kwan, mm. yeah. So Randall Kwan had interviewed Gettler, the victim in his office. And he stated that Gettler remembered being kicked by a female officer, but he gave her description as being a black woman with dark hair. But now Evans is a blonde woman. She's white with blonde hair. So that was completely off. So they kind of threw that out because they was like, so you were kicked by a black woman, but Evans is a white woman with blonde hair. So, but keep in mind, he's mentally disabled too. And everybody's so a bad guy and his mind is black. Yeah. <laughs> he shouldn't have been. That's supposed to be bad. Right. No way a blonde haired blue eyed woman kicked me. It was a, <laughs> he was a Negro. It was a Negro woman. He looked just like the woman from Color Purple. <laughs> yeah this part was crazy so that was thrown out now Gatler was brought into the hearing as well but he was too incoherent to testify he didn't even know what year it was and then Evans yeah he didn't know anything so they just couldn't use anything he said now Evans took the stand at that point once again she denied that she kicked him she said that her life had been very hard because while they were investigating her, she actually got put on desk duty and it made her hard for her to earn OT. So she, cause I guess when you do desk duty is eight to five, but when you're on patrol, you could work as many hours. And she was like, that made her pay get cut while she was getting investigated. Yeah, so, that, that's, that's harsh. That's real harsh there. I, I have to take one little pause. Yes, please take is a pause. <laughs> this man that they took down and kicked and beat. Yeah was a special person. He was Forrest Gump type. Like, yeah. even special as in Forrest. Yeah. Yeah, he was schizophrenic and he had slight dementia, is what they said. So that's... I mean, not to beat that horse, but I sure am going to smack it one time in the face. <laughs> is, bro, he doesn't see how bad that makes him look. Oh, my God. For the fact that this is a special person. Yeah. That... Supposedly now you was beating down and grabbing and, ta yeah. and tackling and shit. Yeah, from why everybody looking you, at it, it's like, yeah. why did you have to use that much force? Right in the first damn place. Because at the end of the day, he did tackle him to the ground first before the kick even happened. So why did you even have to kick why him Why you was that? doing all this shit to Forrest? Yeah. Because, yeah, because remember when he was on the ground, she stepped there, got the taser. So basically, it's like he escalated. And I don't think that it had to go this far. Because remember, they said he grabbed him and stuff. Right? Yeah. What was that for? <sighs> That's so, what I'm saying. Like, how? Why were you even having your hands on this man in the first place? Yeah. Why do if you have a taser and all that? Why do you even have your hands on this man? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think he would have really. I mean, they said he was resisting arrest, but it wasn't so bad that you had to do all that. You tackled this man into a planter. Right. That's like, when he started resisting arrest. Yeah. 
is he wasn't resistant before. He was just cussing at you and saying some crazy ass shit because they do stuff like that. Yeah. Trust me, I did some in home care with a guy that, that had them needs, and man, he used to say crazy ass shit just off the chain. He told people I said, I made him suck my dick. Like it'd be crazy <laughs> shit. Well, did you, and, Nisha? Are you serious right now? <laughs> But he would say crazy shit like that. Well, payback for you calling me what a child molester because I like to cuddle up with my children a bit. So you see now you know. You should not have put that on national air right there. You know what? That's. Dude, you just got weird again. No, that's just not, cuddling up with your children with tonight. Ch- like watch movies and stuff. You don't like have the if dad. There's, if there is a website, and she will tell you guys later on uh, Facebook when this comes out, send in how many people cuddle up to their children in the middle of the night, especially like you know, sixteen, seventeen year old children like she got. Whatever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who's laying in the bed putting on a movie? I can't. Like she said, and then cuddling up to your child. Oh, see, I can't stand you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Jeez>. uh, <laughs> now, getting back to the story. Now they now at this board meeting, the board ruled against Dorner as well, and they found that the reason he lied was that he was in danger of losing his career over the report that over the bad report that Evans was going to write against him. So, an appellant court upheld the board's decision, and Dorner was fired in February of 2009. Now, usually when a police officer is fired, no action really occurs. They just, you know, clean out their locker or whatever. But in this case, when he got fired, because they noticed that he, by his body language, they all got scared because they said he looked like he was mad. So, they brought in armed guards for fear of retaliation while he got his stuff together. Now, the L.A. Times reported that it was a police official that stated that he had body language. That meant he was upset. So, I mean, let me tell you something. I My mother has a Ph.D. in psychology. Yeah. 90% of what you say is not coming out your mouth. Yeah. Yeah, it's your body language. So, so gotta... some people think, because let me tell you, I messed with a girl, and she thought that, oh, because she ain't say shit, nobody knows that she ain't mad. And she would always be like, I ain't mad. Anybody mad? Why you looking at me like I'm mad? Why you th- it's like Martin Lawrence from, oh, from yeah, Bad Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, And everybody like, you're angry. I'm not angry. Yeah. That's one of those type of people. Like, stop saying but, I'm mad. You're right, yeah. But they are mad. Yeah. They are angry. Yeah. Because, just because you didn't say nothing don't mean that everybody's standing around you. That's what they teach. They teach it to six-year-olds and seven-year-olds when they yeah. do it. What face is this? That's yeah. angry face. Yeah. What emotion is this? That's happy emotion. Yeah. Like that teaches you from jump. We're not. We don't. You don't have to say shit for this just to see your emotion. Yeah. Now and it must have been really intense if they brought in the armed guards. I that mean, that was. I, I would have thought. I would have felt like it was from some type of way. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you can feel the heat of someone's chakra. Yeah. We'll talk about that later because I do believe in it. But people can put their energy out. That's why I was telling you before. I don't spit on people because I'm powering you up. I'm helping you beat my ass. Yeah. Not do that. I want to have your chakra broken down and your energy weaker yeah. so my, and have mine more powerful to beat yeah. you down. Not not power your ass up and then help you yeah. try to hit my ass. Because I feel like it, it does give somebody a boost of adrenaline. If you get spit on, like that's going to... Right. You oh powered my. them up. Yeah. Like, now they, got, they got even a purpose now. Yeah. And they mind of beating your ass. They can yeah. see it. Yeah. They're going to try to will it into existence and you help them yeah so no so basically so basically the um so basically the donor appealed this decision for four years 
he tried to get his job back. And each time he appealed this decision, it was denied. So for four years. And then, to make it worse, in February of 2013, he actually was discharged by the Navy. He had been promoted to lieutenant, but he wasn't risen higher in rank. So... Now, so he why was he discharged? It, it it didn't give why he was discharged. He just got discharged by the Navy. But I don't know if that was like disclosed because I tried to find everything about why he was discharged because I was like he was fired from LAPD in two thousand nine. Four years later, he was discharged from the military, and I was like, I wonder why. Like this guy could not catch a break, right? So, well, that and he does. I do see that. Like, let me tell you, like, because I do see yeah. some of the characteristics that happen, and it does happen to us as people. Uh-huh. But he is also a little bit impetuous. Mm-hmm. I do see that he was he like you said when he decided in his mind he's not gonna take anything else as racial. Sometimes some people when they just be like, I'm not gonna take shit at all, overput it. For just little, even the little things. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you got to pick your battles. You yeah. You can't battle every last thing. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pick it. Yeah. So I don't know. And he's just so, like I said, he showed the impetuism also when you're just grabbing a, a special guy who's just out here talking crazy to the wind and you're tackling his ass down. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, not on your side, my guy. I mean, I, he may have been crazy, but I've been in those situations. Yeah. And I've actually, you know, I would, if he seems like he's going to lunge at you, get that taser going. Yeah. Get something, yeah. Don't just tackle them to the ground, right? Yeah, you shouldn't. There's some people that you can kind of tell you don't need to be engaging. Yeah. And it's not you at all. They're not here all the way. Yeah. And if you're hard at telling that, then I do under I do under because I feel like police officership is a very strenuous job, very tough job in doing. It should be a little more strenuous also in getting people into this process, <clears throat> because I do believe in the system. Mm-hmm. It's crazy that I'm a black guy saying that, but I do believe in that system. But I just believe it should be people that are bound and doing their job correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That we, it could be done right. Mm-hmm. But is that guy with that situation? It, you have shown yourself to be overly too willing to engage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're just yeah. It's like he's just doing too much, and I think it goes back to I think when he was a teenager, he said, "Yeah, I'll never let." like tolerate racism ever again so it's like he's seeing the world like everybody's kind of out to get him right and so when this guy's kind of getting loud and belligerent you know and he's you know white and he's saying some crazy stuff who knows what he said he probably you know you nigga boo junkie monkey and he's got like ass cheeks yeah he's just like oh he kind of was trying to keep himself in but like calm the fuck down sir you hear me the fuck you know it started to itch towards him i don't know what the situation is but yeah just in saying is when people have that tolerance and having where you have a strong line drawn, you become an intolerable person as well. Yeah. When you are not able to tolerate things, you become intolerable. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because you just have a line where then you're going to get belligerent. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. So now keep in mind that, so he just got let go from the Navy, the police department now. On February 3rd, 2013, there was a resident of a condo in Irving, California, that noticed a man was slumped over the steering wheel of his car in the top of the parking garage. So next to the man, there was a woman in a blue dress, and they both had been shot execution style. The respondent officers did notice that there was a huge diamond ring on her finger, so they knew that this was not a robbery at all, because that was still there. And so detectives then counted 14 shell casings at the scene of the crime on the ground, and powder burns on the window where the bullets entered. So that means that they were shot in close range. So the crazy thing is no one had heard, heard all the shots, all 14 shots in the whole apartment complex. So 
the lead detective, Victoria Hurtado, wondered if possibly a silencer had to have been used. Mm. So now, uh, now a security cameras caught the uh, caught the couple entering the complex at around seven thirty p.m., but their bodies weren't noticed until about two hours later. So now, Irving, California, was one of the safest cities in the U.S. at that point. So they was wondering who possibly would have done this. There hadn't been a murder in Irving in a very long time. So now the Irving police got a call from a worried father who had saw the news of the shooting at the apartment complex. And he said that it was the same complex where his daughter, Monica Kwan, who was a basketball coach at Cal State, lived. And she lived there with her fiancé, Keith Lawrence, who was a security officer at UFC. Now, Monica, he had saw his daughter that morning, but then after that, she hadn't been answering her her phone his phone calls at all. So he was getting very worried about her. So at that point, Randall, well, the dad's name was Randall Kwan. Do you remember that name? Randall Kwan was Dorner's attorney in this whole case. No, I didn't remember the name, but oh shit. Yeah, Randall Kwan. So the he, dad who got shot? No, the dad didn't get shot. The, the, so basically it was the daughter that got shot. His daughter got shot. So it was his daughter, it was his daughter in the car with her fiance. She lived in this apartment complex. He saw it on the news. They didn't release who the bodies was or anything, but he got worried because he had seen his daughter that morning and then she hadn't been answering his phone calls. So he went to the police station, you know, to find out kind of what was going on. And he did describe to them that he said when he saw her earlier that day, she had been wearing a blue dress. The po- oh, yeah. Y'all can't see, but I am paralyzed with shock. Yeah. And it's crazy. So, so the, the man and the woman that was dead in the car, the police confirmed that that was his daughter because she had gotten engaged. And that's what makes it so sad. Just a few days before this murder, her and Keith had gotten engaged to be married. So, did that he was- think it, go ahead. Did he think it was them? Well, what? Well, go ahead. Yeah, right, right, right. So, unfortunately, the police confirmed that that was Randall Kwan's daughter, Michelle Kwan, and she's dead. So that they did ask, do you know anybody that will want to hurt your daughter? Do you know anybody that will want to hurt you? Now, some history about Randall Kwan was that he was the first Chinese captain the LAPD ever had, and he led an anti-gang unit. So the first thought was, well, maybe one of the gang members came back and they, you know, wanted revenge on your daughter and they shot, you know, they shot and he her. was Chinese. He was a Chinese, yeah. He was Chinese, yeah. Uh, he couldn't think of anyone. He couldn't think of anybody that would want to do this. He had, he had been, he had, he wasn't at the LAPD. He had been a lawyer for a while. So his thought was, you know, if somebody was going to do this, wouldn't they have done this years ago? You know, when I was in the police department, like nobody would have done this. So they couldn't think of anything. Now, when they dug further, they did discover that someone had been stalking Monica while she was on tour with her basketball team. There had been an unknown caller that called from a blocked number to the college claiming to be the parent of one of the players. And the person who took the call did not give information. And when asked for a callback number, the person hung up. But that led to a dead end as well. Now, at around 1 a.m. on February 4th, Dorner posted this huge rant on his first Facebook page. And he named Sergeant Evans, Randall Kwan, and a whole bunch of others as people he wanted to seek revenge on. He quoted, and this is a quote from his Facebook manifesto, which was, by the way, 11,000 words long. Damn. It says, Damn. this is just a quote. It says, look, look your wives, husbands, and surviving children in the face and tell them the truth about why your children are dead. Now, that morning, an employee at an auto sound store in National City was taking some trash to the dumpster and he saw some military gear sitting on top of it. So he waved down a cop that was driving by to turn over the stuff 
and it was a bulletproof vest, some ammunition, some spray paint, a police belt, an LAPD uniform, a baton, and a police notebook with the names Dorner and Evans, along with some numbers. What? <laughs> what? Negro, go to jail. <laughs> I think mean, he wanted to get caught at this point. Cause I, I mean, come on. <laughs> With your name with a murder <laughs> kit? If that is if there's ever a murder kit, that was, that's the one. That was with a police kit. outfit, come on, and a bulletproof vest, so you know you coming up faking like a cop on some fucking James, Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit, <laughs> acting like you're a fake ass police officer, and you killing, killing people, right? Oh, my and God. you leave your name <laughs> along with Evans, the, like, the lady that got him fired, right? Like with it, with your name beside it, us together, me and you, us now <laughs> apart. We back on the purple again. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's the running theme for this episode. It's the I guess purple, it right? is, because Jesus, creases. What this is? This is why. When I didn't, I tell you this case was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, I ain't even nothing to say to that. It's wild, all right. Like some horses in here. We we over here. Now, when the police officer came out that the you know that the man had flagged down, he worried that the stuff maybe belonged to an officer that had been a victim of a violent crime. So he had the dispatcher contact the LAPD because that's where the uniform was from. So the first thing they did was research the names that was on this book. The LAPD did find Evans as a sergeant, but they said they don't have a Sergeant Dorner. So they looked further. The National City Police Officer contacted Evans. She told them that they, she told them all about who Dorner was. And she said that for six months. Of course she did. Yeah. And she said that for six months after he was fired, she was so scared that he was going to come get her that she took her service gun with her everywhere, even to the bathroom. She said she couldn't go nowhere without her gun because she was so scared. He ain't say shit, but he so gave you the feeling, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a feeling. Ooh, <laughs> 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 shit. Oh my God. And then that night, so after she has this conversation, then she hears two officers talking about the murder of Randall Kwan's daughter in the break room, right? So she then called Irving, the Irving PD, and she told them that she feels like Dorner is the killer. She was like, Dorner's the killer. So the Irving Police Department pulled surveillance footage of, the, of Dorner throwing away his uniform and items. You know, he had pulled his truck up. They pulled, they pulled him, you know, doing all that stuff. And then they located a second trash can that had more of Dorner's stuff in it. It had a SWAT helmet, a tactical backpack, a 9mm magazine with bullets, which that that 9mm, um, that's what was used to kill Keith and, and um, Michelle, or Monica. I want to go watch Michelle. So the alley where the dumpsters had been located also were in view of the National City Police Department. So... Deta- okay. Yeah, I think he wanted to get caught. Man, you so, could have sold that stuff on Craigslist. Right. I mean, come on now. <laughs> that That's some good gear right there. You, know, you can't even try and get rid of it in a way where it's just going to be profitable or just gone to somebody else and somebody you can blame down. No. You're like, is that a camera? Here we go. I'm doing everything right in front of this camera. Everything. Hi, Charlie. No mask on, nothing. In my own registered truck. Please take the tags. <laughs> Currently registered still in my name and my current address. Like, what, bro? Okay. 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 Don't forget about the Facebook post he made. Right, and then post it on Facebook. <laughs> bro, you ain't the Zodiac killer. Uh, <laughs> so, Come on. So, detect- 
Detective Hurtado <laughs> called Randall Kwan and asked about Chris Dorner. And that's when they found Dorner's Facebook page. And that's where they found that 11,000 word manifesto. And it says, from Christopher Jordan Dorner to America. Subject, last report. And there was a bunch of incoherent ramblings. There was fifty. There was more than 50 people on his hit list. He felt like Dorner did not. He felt you don't like, got a hit list. Because you never intended on hitting nobody. You know why? Because you put the bulletproof vest in the trash can, you right, lying ass bastard. Stupid, right. And the gun with the bullets. You ain't hitting nobody. Yeah, right. So don't say hit list. <laughs> you wanted to shoot someone and be caught. Uh, and then say you was going to shoot other people. Right. If y'all didn't stop me. That's Because I'm dangerous. <laughs> look, and then... But he felt like, so Quan found out he was on the hit list because he felt like Quan didn't do a good representation of him at all. And it was his fault because he wasn't a good lawyer. And of course, Evans was on the list because he was fired. He got, she got him fired and there was a bunch of other people. And yeah, that's so what. So you this garter punk ass motherfucker? Right. That's what I'm like. Okay, so that's where the story stops today because we're going to come back next week with part two. But oh my gosh, part one took you for a ride, didn't it? Oh man, I, I liked it and didn't like it. The whole, yeah, the whole thing was crazy as hell. You know me. I'm like, hey, if you go kill the people that deserve it, I'm, I'm partially on your yeah. side. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I don't mind rooting for you a little bit, but yeah. you do some innocent bystander stuff. That's punk stuff, bro. Yeah, because his daughter. You're talking about somebody's daughter, an yeah. Asian daughter at that. Come yeah. on now. You know how little those people are? And her fiance, like, honestly, he literally had nothing to do with it. Man. So you just killed it. He innocent. probably worked for Cisco. <laughs> like, that man was a dorkosaurus on some real shit. Yeah. Like, on, typing on some computers and shit You're like that. Right. You pulled that gun out and they both pissed their pants. Yeah. Oh, that's like, so sad. Those are the type of people you could strong arm rob. You wouldn't even have to pull a gun out. You could punch him in the face twice. Yeah. And be like, give me your goddamn wallet, bitch, or you could punch the gun. He'd be like, all right, good. I'm sorry, goddamn man. I'm sorry. Like, he's that type of person. And he'll give you his car. Yeah. Yeah. So for you to come on somebody who's defenseless like that, yeah. shooting them up, get out of here, That's man. I'm like, you why, ain't nobody. Right. Why didn't you, I mean, not saying you should have killed anybody, but why didn't you look for Evans and Quan himself and do that? Like, you literally kill innocent Right. People, Call right? Quan over, like, right. to your house or something. Be like, you know, I've been feeling some type of way and wanted yeah. to just thank you for the things that you've done. Yeah. And I got a piece of pie. Yeah. That's I want to give you. And shoot his ass. And say the same thing to everybody else that you feel. Yeah. And they don't tell them. And invite them all to the same place. Yeah. And have an AK-47 waiting. Yeah. That's what I would have done. Because this... I mean, Qua, the daughter didn't even know nothing about you. Bruh! <laughs> she was a, a basketball coach. Hecka young. She had to have been a teenager when you was even on the floor. So, she had nothing to do with this. Right. Like, that like, was I, so I, I, I don't believe it, man. Like, motherfucker had him pull up. Or pull up and, and, and buy a, rent a limo, bro, and just have a day where you have a friend of yours just be driving and the shit who's just as crazy and feel like they ain't gonna fuck about it neither or a crackhead yeah. and drive your ass around and serve it with a serve it with a, a, a M nine nigga and just yell out the world, "This is America." See what you're working with. Yeah. Don't even fucking with like nigga. Like, <laughs> this is America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and rat a tat tat. That's to everybody places they be working at. Right. Right, that would make more sense. But I can't even wait to see what's going to happen with part two. Are you going to be excited to hear about how this story ends? It ends with him getting hung like a Negro on an <laughs> old ass ship. Yeah. They used to, when they used to sit here and act out before Massa getting us to the goddamn plantation and making us an example of. Right, I was going to say, you know, every... He's probably still hanging from that tree right now. <laughs> 
I was going to say, every career isn't for everybody. Maybe he just should have faced back. Maybe being a police was not for him. He's like, going to die with hatred in his mind, feeling like uh, the whole world is racist as fuck and crazy. Yeah. And out to get him, and he died. Yeah, well, we'll see in part two. Well, um, I'm not going to say stupid is part of the crime because this whole thing was stupid and we already covered it. <laughs> we'll see Girl, what comes I hate up. that phrase, but this is that the man, but wow. Yeah. This is some wild ass shit. Told you I had a wild case for you today. Yeah, girl. But anyways, you guys, make sure that you follow Hot Garbage Show on Instagram at the Hot Garbage Show and send us an email at hotgarbagenews at gmail, uh, gmail.com. Take care and watch your back out there. You gotta work on your script. Peace. <laughs>